Remember when the US Army had a don't ask, don't tell policy? If you missed that they did that, you've been lucky until now. Maybe you're not even asking to hear about it, but I will tell you about it, seemingly breaking the rule itself, because that's the sort of caution to the wind podcaster that I am. Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a policy that prohibited military personnel from discriminating against or harassing closeted members of the LGBTQ community who served in the military. When the Clinton administration introduced this, if you mistakenly think it's a policy from around 3,000 years ago, you could not serve in the US military if you were openly gay, lesbian or bisexual. Don't Ask, Don't Tell sent a clear message to all that you can be prepared to die for your country but your country doesn't need to know who you are. Thank you very much. Today, Chris and I are going to talk about this philosophy, this idea of ask, don't tell, a leadership quality that we see in great leaders who have the ability to ask big questions that make people think. But Chris and I start to debate it. We start to ask, is there a time and a place to be directive, to be militant? Or are there always times to help people think, to show compassion, to empathize? I really hope you enjoy this session. Uh, Chris and I have a great discussion about it, and I would love to hear your feedback. Let me know in the comments what you think about this philosophy of ask, don't tell. Have you experienced it yourself? Have you been a coach and asked these questions? Have you appreciated being told what to do, or did it just not work for you? Let me know. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Andrew Silito. This podcast is a result of my purpose to help ambitious business owners like you avoid stress, overwhelm, and burnout in the workplace. In this podcast, I share everything I've learned about how to grow a profitable business, stay fit and healthy, maintain strong relationships, and develop the right mindset for success. So you can thrive, feel inspired, and work at your full potential. Hi, Krish. How are you? I'm good, Andrew. How are you? I'm very good. So today, we're going to talk about this principle or philosophy. I would call it a leadership philosophy of ask, don't tell. This idea of how to win hearts and minds, how to engage people, how to get them involved in the process. And I think we should debate it a little bit because I know there are people out there that perhaps are quite fearful of letting go of some control. And maybe there's a time and a place to keep control. So, well, let's start off with this policy that I shared in the blog. So anyone who wants to pick up a lot of the content, if you go to andrewsilito.com, you can read the blog. And there was this policy, Chris, called Don't Ask, Don't Tell. What were your thoughts? Let's start with that policy, because I think it takes on a slight digression, but it also there's a thread there somewhere that I'd like to come back to. I mean, although it sounds that it was very old, but surprising to know that it was there till a decade back. So that's one. When I look at the context of last five, six years, having come back to India, there is this subtle don't ask, don't tell that still exists in many proprietor, promoter, single man, one man shows, which has, you know, grown over the many generations. Yeah. It still exists. Don't ask, don't tell. It's like, till you are asked, don't tell. This yeah. still exists in the corporate uh, world. Maybe not MNCs, but many family run, promoter driven work cultures. Yeah, I guess it's born out of a bit of a militant style. I mean, this don't ask, don't tell policy. I mean, I don't go into detail about it on the blog, but it, it just kind of frames the whole conversation. But it basically, in some ways, it supported the LGBTQ community because mm. it stopped in the military other people harassing people that uh, were in the LGBTQ community. But at the same time, the community weren't allowed to talk about it either. So they yes. weren't allowed to say anything. These were closeted people that couldn't talk about it. And therefore, you know, don't ask, don't tell. And uh, it sounds crazy. You think it was something that was 
pre-World War II or a long time ago, but actually it was Bill Clinton's policy and it was stopped in 2011. It, it sounds insane. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not pushing the whole kind of, I think there's a difference between the woke agenda and being aware. I like the idea of being aware. I think some things have gone too far the other way, perhaps around political correctness and so on. But this sounds crazy. I mean, this idea of don't ask, don't tell, I think that there is something in business leaders, they like that idea of don't ask, don't tell, just don't push it, just get on with it. You've got a job to do. Don't question. These are the rules. And even if they're not being explicit about that, there's this kind of subconscious leadership style that might work actually in certain times or short term, might get good short term results. Maybe during a crisis, I read a study where leaders during COVID actually got good results in the crisis by taking a very controlling approach. Mm -hmm. It's a bit slicing and dicing and making big decisions very quickly actually did quite well in the short term, but there was some fallout in the long term. So they're now starting to feel the pain of that style of leadership. I'm sure there are pros and cons. What are your thoughts, Grish, on this idea of ask, don't tell? I mean, we were talking earlier about your father and this post-war and you mentioned the author. You'd written a couple of books. I'm intrigued by that. Tell us a bit more about that. So a couple of things. When I read the blog, one thing immediately that came up is my dad was in the tobacco industry and he was one of the leading engineers in India. And he had this poster in his room uh, with a rupee note stuck there. The buck stops here. You know, he had a rupee note and he had the note written on top of that with the rupee there saying the buck stops here. So it, that kind of rang a bell and the picture was there at the back of my head. But then he was a tough guy, tough manager, but then he would spend time on the shop floor with the team. So they liked him a lot. He didn't mm-hmm. direct them and come away and expect them to finish. He would be among them and work with them. So that made yeah. a difference. Yeah, yeah. So it, that's the kind of leadership style where he wouldn't ask of his people anything he wouldn't do yes. or wouldn't have done. You know, yes, spot on. Do the work with them. That's carried with me because it's I've seen that and it's inbuilt in me. My wife would say, why are you so attached to work? How come you spend so much time with the team? You're giving them more time than me. When you're on a mission to achieve something, there is, I don't know any of any other way to you know get it done. Yeah, yeah. How do you manage that yourself, Chris? Working with you over the last four years, to me, you have a facilitative style. You're our kind my, of mentor. Yeah, yeah. My, it changed in 2016 when I joined Royal and Sun Alliance. It's a UK multinational, 300-year-old, okay. yeah. very rich culture. Their philosophy was, we don't fire anybody. People are our most important assets. And wow. when I took on the role of a CIO, the MD had come from Hong Kong and we were very, not aggressive, but quite assertive, fast paced because we wanted to get the change done. That yeah. was the need of the hour. And then I got nominated for a performance coaching program, five days. And I remember having the dialogue with the MD. I'm CIO. What, what have I got to do with coaching? Come on. Give me. It's for HR, not for me. Right. He had a good laugh and yeah. he convinced me and all my objections of doing my budget, my first 100 days as CIO. He said, Krish, what time are you coming to office? 8.30. Can you come by 8? I said, done. Come at 8. We'll do your work budget for half an hour. Go to the program. Come back. We'll finish the work on your budget. So your work gets done and I'm staying back for you. That's it. I had to go then. And we had to take data on our leadership style, 360 degree feedback, plot mm-hmm. it in a graph on all the various, the way the outside world, the team, peers, they see us. We had to go with the data. It was like stripping in in front of a mirror. You had to change. That changed us. What was the biggest thing that stood out for you within the context of this Ask, Don't Tell? What was the biggest takeaway? So we used to struggle with whenever you're doing change, there are people with a certain mindset as a leader, but you want to change the mindset. The easiest way is to direct them. 
but it doesn't work in the long term. It can work short term or they end up leaving. With this Ask Don't Tell, which is participative, collaborative coaching style, and maybe sometimes you can't coach your own people. So you assign a coach or they get a coach and then you build this collaborative coaching leadership style where the teams grow together and move. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about with that was why does this militant style, why did it exist? Why was it all about driving people and telling people what to do? And and there's a theory that some of this is born out of industrial revolution yeah. and post-World Industry. War, you know, pull your socks up, march on, get on with the job, don't question. You know, yes. we're all traumatized by World War II, so please let me don't talk about it. <laughs> Just do the bloody job and get on with it. And you mentioned a couple of books. There is one author whose his name is Alan Downs, and he wrote two books. One was Corporate Executions, mm-hmm. Classic Management Learned from World War II Lessons. His second book is called The Seven Miracles of Management. It starts with compassion, integrity, love. And so I happened to pick up the second book when I was in Qatar Airways as the head of IT. Highly directive work culture, highly political. And here I was with this book trying to apply those principles at work. I got hammered from all directions, but it was one of the most challenging and successful. Yeah, I bet. But it sounds like the author had a transformation. Yes, he did research and he said, my previous book, that leadership style doesn't apply anymore. From the IBMs, from Pepsi and Coke, from a lot of younger organizations that were coming, he did the research and then he came up with this. Yeah, we could question was it the right style of leadership post-war or was it just because of sociological challenges and the environment? Would people have benefited from more compassion, empathy, talking, showing some vulnerability? Because people were scared to talk about these things. What if they broke down? What if they got upset? What if the trauma manifested in ways that you know, now we talk about mental health in a completely different way? You don't just push it and shove it down. And I think I talked about it in a recent blog where when you're asked to tidy your bedroom, you just try and shove everything into the cupboard, but eventually the cupboard just bursts open. And I assume that that's what PTSD is, essentially. And, and it worries me even with COVID and, and the experience we're having and this going on and people you know, trying to just hold on for dear life. And if we can practice some of this, ask, don't tell, not come on, think how lucky we are. We hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. I agree with it in some ways. When I when people say, oh, I've lost my business, but you know what? I'm lucky because I've got my health. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, but sometimes if you're in pain and you're hurting, then let's talk about that. So whether it's in work, whether it's in our relationships with our partners, with our children, there's something about this ask, don't tell, which for me is about taking a step back, breathing, and just because there's a danger with these things. And I've done this. My wife looked to me sometimes like, why are you talking to me like this? You know, because I go into this kind of coaching mode and, and there's a dangerous patronizing. I don't think we should ever coach our, our partners. But even my daughter growing up, she's 22 now, she would say to me, why are you doing, we're not at work. You know, why yeah. are you? you know? <laughs> my, my daughter tells me. Yeah, like, it doesn't work. You're being a teacher at home now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have to be careful of that skill, I suppose, of even in the workplace. Yeah. But there is something about taking the time just to understand just to stop and say, you're upset about this. And sometimes we're not upset about something, but the person in front of us is. We're like, what's the problem? You know, why are you upset about Come on, it's fine. Everything's fine. Okay, let's sit with that a little bit and tell me why you're upset and what's going on. When I do that with my son, who's five, he's emotional. You know, he, you can see he's a boy and, he, and everything's just so angry. You know, and he doesn't know what to do with this. And rather than saying, come on, just get your clothes on. We've got to get to the nursery and all this kind of stuff. Just, okay, let's just take some time here. And and there's always something bother it. It could be, you know, like the fact we're going to go away and get on a plane, but he's been thinking about it. He's scared of the plane and something else is coming out and bring it back to work. 
sometimes we just got to give people that time, that space and hear, or even with our clients, you know, when the client says something and you think that's a bit strange, you know, why don't you want to go ahead with the proposal? Mm. When we ask the questions, we kind of get to the, ah, now we can have a different conversation and, and work through this. Absolutely. And especially now with the COVID times, people have gone through a lot and yeah. many are not able to express and they're carrying the burden of that and that empathy and the dialogue with them to come to understand them better, I think, goes a long way in building good relationships. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. You know, if you're listening to the replay, watching this, listening to the podcast, I would love to hear what people's thoughts are on whether they've practiced the Ask Don't Tell as a coach or whether they've been on the receiving end of it or even the receiving end of a militant style. And mm. was it right for you? Did it work for you in that moment or did it actually in the long term affect your performance in a negative way? You know, because we often see that. I'm sure there was something else I wanted to talk about, Chris, but it's gone from me. Is there anything from your perspective or anything you want to share or any anecdotal within the context of this ask, don't tell idea or why we should stop telling people what to do and just take some time and ask some big questions that make people think? Because humans, uh, by definition, are intelligent. You know, everybody is unique. We have a mind of our own. And uh, when that respect is given and the acknowledgement is there, it's like when we tell and don't ask, it's not respecting the other person's intelligence, right? Yeah, Just do it absolutely. versus participating and let them come out with the solution and go along and then moderate where needed. It shows that you respect them and we respect their it intelligence. It shows respect. It shows that we're having, you know, using that transaction analysis, you know, we're having an yeah. adult conversation. We're not going into, sometimes it's worse to be nurturing as it is yes. to be controlling. And yeah, it demonstrates that we're on an intellectual level by doing this, by practicing this skill. And that we care. Absolutely. It's a good mix of intelligence and heart. It's a good yeah. balance. 100%. Yeah. Good. So our message then is to get out there and practice it. By the way, I think that's one of the challenges as well. People intellectually get this. Yes. Right? They're not going to apply it. Exactly. Because we're going to be fight flight. We don't know where the question is. And, and letting go of that is kind of like I always think of the... Letting the go is, about it. is something that leaders have seen them struggle yeah. And there are different levels when I see coaches. You know, I've been coaching for a long time and people will observe me coach on, a, on our leadership program and I'll demonstrate. And they're like, where do you get these questions from? Where, you know, and then I go into on a coaching course to freshen my skills. And you see a whole other level of coaching, you know, like with executive coaches who are, you know, seasoned. And I like the idea that there's an art and science to this as well. It's not just people make an error actually with this. They're asking questions because they're trying to steer someone to the solution they want. Well, if you're doing that, just tell them. Just tell you. It's and better then, to and tell then ask them. How, how can we do it? But when people are kind of like, I know what I want, I just got oh, to steer yeah. them into, you know, and you go, okay, that that's is, not coaching. Yeah, that's not coaching. No, you're missing yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to open up. You've got to believe. I like the co uh, coaching, coactive coaching. This idea that everyone is resourceful and creative and they have, you know, and that's what I was going to say was this isn't really that new. I mean, Stephen Covey always talked about it in his book. Seek first before being understood. Plato said, people have innate knowledge. Just ask the right question. I mean, that's 2,000 years, you know, that people have the information. And even your rookie in the business, you know, my experience of working with Team GB, this was the game changer. When we started going to the players and asking them, how do we beat Austria? What do you think? And even the rookie on the team, because even the people that are fresh grads in your business, they have an intuition Absolutely. that they can share that make you go, wow, I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. So we get out there, start asking some questions. That's what we're saying, right? As leaders. And this podcast is about finding balance in a complex world, realizing that you don't have to be the person with all the answers. 
will help yes. you find balance. Just that one thing as a leader that you don't realize you have to fix everything. And that if you take a step back, start asking the questions, you see leaders' shoulders just relax. They go, I don't have to come up with everything. I don't have to have all the answers. True. Right? I can just ask the questions and get some information and people do the work themselves. I always say on our coaching course, make them do the work, make them do the thinking, make them take the action, make them come back. You know, I leaders saying, oh, I've got to type up everything now from the conversation and send it to them. I was like, no, make them type it up and come to you. That Great responsibility. Good. All right. Chris, it's been awesome. Thank you, Thank you very much. We'll speak soon. Bye. Bye. For more free resources and content on how to grow and lead your business and become the best version of yourself, head over to andrewsilito.com.